0: All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Joey Fight. I'm the founder of ThePhysicalEducator.com and a PE pedagogy coach here in Montreal, Canada. Welcome back to The Phys Ed Show podcast. Uh, I'm super grateful that you're taking the time to listen to this right now. And I just want to say I know it's been a minute since my last one, uh, but I have a very valid reason this time. Um, My wife and I welcomed our second child, little baby Owen Miles Fight, into this world on March 9th. Uh, this is our second son. Like I said, uh, our first son, Ollie just turned three and he's super pumped to be a big brother and Owen is thriving. My wife is thriving. Uh, we're all a little sleep deprived, but you know, that's okay. And we're just trying to get adjusted to this new family reality of ours. I'll say this when I, when I let everybody know that Owen had arrived uh, on Twitter, a bunch of people were saying like, Oh, look out, you're going to be playing man-to-man defense now. And I was like, ha that's a cute little analogy. It full on feels like just nonstop man defense. Like it just feels like Jess and I are just bouncing back and forth between the two kids, handing one kid off to one person, switching up, trying to get a water break in there at some point. Um, it's been pretty wild just trying to adjust to all this and try and see how like, you know, we're a very routines based family. So trying to see how we can get all of all these routines to kind of fit into this new reality with Owen on the scene. Um and just a quick story, uh, last Saturday was like the first day that, you know, there was just like a great flow to the day, It just felt like everything was kind of falling into place and no matter what, like the day was throwing at us, I felt like we had a solution to it and we were working together as a team, my wife and I. Um, and at the end of the day, I just remember I looked at Jess and I was like, hey, high five, like today rocked, like this was a good day. And then I went to the washroom to go brush my teeth and as I'm brushing my teeth, like probably like five seconds into like my toothbrush in here. Um, I realized I had put all these Paw Patrol toothpaste on my on my toothbrush uh, just out of like straight up being brain dead um, and uh, you know that's just life that's just life as a parent of two apparently and I'm sure that there's lots of other surprises like that that are on the way um, but that said I'm really excited to be recording here again today like I said thank you so much for tuning in and today I'm really pumped to get to talk about health month. Um, I'm recording this on March 30th right now, which means April's right around the corner. And the month of April was always really exciting for me when I was at school because, you know, it was the month leading up to May, as you may know if you've ever looked at a calendar before. Uh, But May was really important in the school year because May is health month it's a whole month where we just create all kinds of activities and programs to try and unite our schools community around healthy living and just overall wellness. Um, and, and, April was the month where we were trying to like get everything ready, put all the wheels into motion to make sure that Health Month would be a huge success. And the reason why I want to be talking to you about Health Month right now is because I really, truly believe in the power of Health Month as a, a tool to, to transform and engage your school's community, uh, to boost the visibility of your program, and to Again, just bring everybody together around that idea of healthy living and give everybody something to look forward to and to celebrate and to have fun with. And if I'm being honest right now, you know, I've been been doing a lot of work one-on-one with teachers um, and a lot of people are just down in the dumps right now. It has been an incredibly hard year for so many teachers, for so many students, for so many schools and to have something that can kind of bring everybody back together to, to get everybody on the same page, to have people work towards common goals. I think that can be incredibly powerful. So I want to take the time here today to talk to you a little bit about Health Month. Um, and, and to, to share the different activities and resources that I created for it so that if you see that this is something that you feel that could really serve your school right now, you can just pick it up and run with it. Um, now, before we get in here, I just want to say this. So I'm going to be talking to you about Health Month and you're going to hear there's like, there's a lot of stuff going on. And first of all, I have a, a blog post mini series um, where I break down um, Health Month into five different parts. So talking about the month long challenges and then each of the four weekly themes, as I'll talk about here in a second. So I'm going to leave that in the show notes so you can go back there because I go into a little bit more detail and you'll have some visuals there to try and give you an idea of what we're talking about. Um, But the other thing I want to say is that I ran Health Month for 10 years, three years when I was at Royal Charles School and then seven years when I was at St. George's. Uh, So what I'm presenting here to you today is like the result of 10 years of of like tinkering and learning and listening and just, uh, you know, trying to perfect it year over year, trying to make it a little bit better. If you're somebody launching into this and you're like listening to like this version of Health Month, it can seem really intimidating. Um, So one thing I just want to like say right at the start is if you do want to bring Health Month to your school, you know, you're going to like I'm I'm saying like I'm making all the resources and everything available on the site. So you can pick up a lot of this stuff and just run with it, even like email templates and all that jazz. Uh, But if you really want to set yourself up for success, especially in this kind of school year, start small, just start super small. Um, I think that's the best way to go. I think what made health month so special at St. G's was the fact that like it evolved and grew and changed based on how the school community received it. Right. Um, and it became this tailored kind of event for our school. And I'm going to talk a little bit about our school here too, because it's important for you to understand the context in which I was able to successfully run this, this program. Um, So I think that when you start small and you just take a handful of ideas and you roll with that, uh, and then you, you pay attention to how, uh, your students are, are receiving the, the different activities and challenges that you're putting together, how the parents are getting engaged, how the rest of your faculty is getting on board, which was like a huge reason that health month was successful at St. G's, um, I think then you'll be able to adapt it and help it evolve in its own way within your school's reality. And I think that's how you're going to experience the most success with Health Month. I think where, where it can best serve people is when it, it meets the real needs of your school's community um, and, and it takes on a life of its own at your school. So just know that right off the bat. Like I'm always happy sharing my resources and whatnot, but like just because I ran things my way at my school doesn't mean that it necessarily fits perfectly in your school. But you can take a lot of this and you know, it'll give you a launching pad. It'll give you Something to kind of get going with. Um, so, let me talk to you just quickly what Health Month is. So, Health Month is a school wide initiative that's composed of programs, activities, challenges, and celebrations that was all developed to help educate the school's community on the importance and value of healthy living. It took place each year in the month of May and it lasted the entire month. And the way that it worked is that each month, uh, sorry, each week in the month of May had its own theme. And I'm going to be talking about those themes here today, which are physical activity, mental health, nutrition, and sleep. Now, like I said before, though, for you to really understand how Health Month fit into my school, let me tell you a little bit about St. G's. So I worked at this um, amazing, incredible little private school here in Montreal called St. George's School of Montreal. And in so many ways, um, working at that school is what set me up for success to be able to build this kind of program. So, first of all, you should know that you know St. George's is founded on on these founding principles. And the top the number one principle that it's founded on is health must come first. So healthy living was already part of our school's DNA. Um and there were a lot of other environmental factors that affected the the success of Health Month. So, you know, we had reduced class sizes. Our school was really small. The elementary campus where I worked only had like 180, 185 kids in a, on campus. Um we also had reduced teacher schedules. I'm saying reduced compared to to uh, the public system. And also talking to some teachers, I'm working with some teachers, and their schedules are just they're just insane. I'd love to have a. a, a a solid sit down conversation with their administrators to try and see how they think that they're setting their teachers up for success. But that's a whole other podcast. Uh, but you know, my own personal teaching schedule, I, my contract was, uh, 50% teaching 50% coaching. So that meant that because a lot of the coaching happened after school, uh, I had a lot of time throughout the day to be organizing these things and creating all these different resources. Um, We also had a really strong culture of just faculty collaboration. Uh, The team at St. G's was incredible. Uh, We all were on the same page. We all had each other's backs. Uh, And, you know, like anywhere else, there was like friction between teachers sometimes when you're like fighting for class time or whatever it may be like that. But at the end of the day, we all want to serve our students as best as possible. Um, And that led to like a ton of success uh, with Health Month. And we... When I started teaching at St. George's uh, in my second year, um, I got a new teaching partner. Her name was Alex, and she's my sister-in-law. And Alex is like the, the fittest person I've ever met in my life. She's like the most inspiring person I've met in terms of like just a pure passion for fitness to this day. Like I'll work out and I'll text Alex after and I'll be like, Hey, by the way, I worked out today. Um, and she's just like super fired up about it. That's why I love texting her. Cause it just makes me feel so much better about myself <laughs> when I commit to that. Um, but Alex had started something at the school when she arrived, which was staff fitness. And it was this amazing program where once a week, Alex would put together these like these hit um, uh, high intensity uh, interval training workouts uh, for the faculty and the staff at the school. And oftentimes we would go out to the school yard. We had this like nice turf field outside. And all the teachers go out in the workout gear and we just work out there. And it'd be cool because you'd have parents coming to pick up their kids uh, from after school and they'd see us all exercising together or the kids who were out after school would be like cheering us on from behind the fence. It was super cool. And it just started getting this, gaining this momentum in terms of the faculty starting to view itself as this like healthy faculty. And that wellness was something that was important to us. And I think in that second year was the same year where, um, The school decided to start a tradition, which uh, was our faculty wellness day. So each year in January, uh, the school would organize a faculty wellness day. So it was a PD day. So kids were at home, um, but the whole faculty would come together, elementary, high school campus. And we'd have a full day that was just committed to well-being. Uh, it would usually start with a presentation at the start of the day. And then maybe like a keynote towards the end where we'd have like a guest speaker come in. And then throughout the day, there was just all kinds of like different little workshops and activities that teachers could engage in just to help them refocus on their own health and wellness. Um, and 2019, uh, so if Wellness Day happens on in January, uh, I was asked to speak to the faculty at the start of the day. Um, and the topic was talking about uh, sustainability, um, uh, which was one of the, the main driving, um, themes of our, our strategic plan. Now, when I started thinking about sustainability and I was doing this with this, um, our amazing sustainability coordinator, Danielle, uh, I started trying, trying to think about like, okay, so we're talking a lot about sustainability. We're talking a lot about environment. We're talking about like, everything from like financial sustainability, and all that. But what about the actual sustainability of our people? how are we setting ourselves up for success to ensure that, you know, each and every day, every person that comes to St. George's is able to bring their full self uh, to their work, to the, to the school um, in order to be the best version of themselves throughout the day. How do we get our teachers to a place where they're able to look after themselves um, so that they're able to continue to thrive in their positions at the school? So, When I when I started putting the presentation together, um, you know, I was talking to some teachers and I realized that a lot of teachers didn't realize that there are multiple dimensions to wellness, right? There's there's and I, I identified eight. So, you know, physical wellness, emotional, intellectual, social, occupational, environmental, spiritual and financial wellness. And what I want to do is I want to invite teachers to try to unpack their own wellness levels by looking at each of these dimensions. And I put together a small little reflection activity where they got to look at each dimension and evaluate it on a scale from zero to five. So it went from like hurting to surviving to doing okay to feeling great to thriving. And then once they uh, kind of did this little self-assessment of their own um, wellness levels, what I invited him to do was to think about, okay, look at some of those, those uh, wellness dimensions and think of some of those that may be uh, a little bit more towards the hurting side. And I asked him to think about, okay, what impact would it have on your life? What impact would it have on the lives of the people that you care about? If you were to put a little bit more emphasis or a little bit more focus on that dimension, So if you were to bring some changes to your life in regards to that dimension of your own wellness, how would that impact your life and the lives of the people that you love? Um, So through the presentation, you know, I I made these little booklets and I'll leave that in the show notes too. I have a, that's a free download on the site if ever you're interested in writing this with your faculty or or with your students. And um, what I then did at the end was ask them, okay, so let's think of a little bit of our our stars and stairs in terms of wellness. So. What is something that you're doing in your life that's allowing you to experience success in regards to your health and wellness? And where is somebody that you um, that you're looking for help? So your star was where you're experiencing success. Your stair is where you're 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 looking to connect with uh, somebody who can maybe help you out there. And I did this on two post-its. Uh, so each teacher wrote on their two post-its and then they put them all on the board. Uh, on this board and then at the end of the day teachers would go through they could see all these stars they could see all these stairs and what I did at the end is I collected all that and I tried to play a little connected dots um, where you know I was pairing up people's success stories with maybe some stories of people where they were they were looking for help and seeing how they can connect there and share that with the faculty uh, through our email now that presentation, I remember I was putting that together and I was like super rushed and everything. And, and I didn't know how it was going to be received. And it was so incredibly well received. I was so blown away uh, at how, um, how people responded to it to the point where you know people were coming like I said I made these little booklets people are asking for extra booklets because they want to take it home and do it with their spouse uh, because they never really taken the time to reflect on their wellness in that way and it, it it had a lasting impact at the school in the way that we were talking about health and wellness uh, within the faculty and within the staff um, now the reason this is important is because this really set got the wheels in motion in terms of like okay like there's this there's these buds of this culture of health and wellness happening within the faculty. How can we roll with this and turn this into something really special uh, throughout Health Month? How can we how can we start making this a larger part of our school's DNA of our school's overall culture? Um, and that's when we started planning a uh, uh, Health Month for that year. You know, that's where I started looking more into things like the Healthy Schools Communities Framework and trying to understand, okay, where are the components? Where are some of the things that we should be taking into consideration as we plan this? So that Health Month doesn't become this like one-time shot kind of thing, but does have a lasting impact in terms of how it can it can transform the culture of the school and its community. So that's all that was kind of in mind as we were getting ready for our Health Month and started planning it. And it was going to become a driving force in the design of a lot of the activities, which, you know, the jump from the previous year was incredibly, um, it was just this huge, huge jump, um, because we were being a lot more intentional about how we were planning things. So, like I said, health month, it lasts the entire month of May and each week has its own theme, physical activity, mental health nutrition and sleep and then on top of that there are some month-long community challenges so challenges that the the whole school community would engage in throughout the entire month I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that in a second um, but something that I do want to say is that you know like it wasn't just all activities I want to make sure that health month like I said the, the its goal is to educate the school's community and the school's uh, uh, population um, so yes there were activities but there were also goals assigned to um, to each week's theme. So the, I set these learning targets and those learning targets were communicated internally uh, through Slack. So we were using Slack as an internal communication uh, tool at my school. And then externally, they were also shared through our weekly... Uh, email newsletter that was sent out to parents so throughout health month each week i would send out this newsletter to the entire uh, parent community to inform them about the learning targets for the next week's theme and then all the activities as well as the family challenges because there's going to be a lot of challenges that were happening at uh, home and that's why i think that right now given the current state of education how everything's so uh, divided and all over the place um The fact that so much of health month was able to happen at home makes me believe that this is something that could really uh, create a ton of success for you um, in our current reality so let's talk first a little bit about um the the month-long challenges so there's two main month-long challenges one that would focus mostly on the faculty and then one that focused on the students and let's talk about the faculty one first so for the faculty in the past we've done all kinds of things where we had like we had a campus versus campus steps uh, a challenge where i gave pedometers to um 30 teachers at the elementary 30 teachers uh, at the high school and then we did this steps challenge thing that was a ton of fun it was competitive you know our, our campuses are about a kilometer apart um and it was just fun it was a fun way of kind of bridging the gap between the two uh, buildings and bringing people together uh that said you know like it was cool and all but it was a lot of work with the <laughs> high school campus and um, and we kind of wanted, Alex and I, when we were planning, we kind of wanted to move things more to just have it in our building uh, so that we could make the most of it there. So then another thing we tried was, you know, we did this, um, this Teams challenge where... Uh, we divide the faculty into two teams and then every day there was a way of earning points so you could earn a point for being active you could earn and then there was like a daily point thing so like if you bring a salad for lunch on wednesday whatever it may be uh, you could earn points if you drank like eight glasses of water whatever it may be you can earn a point and then uh teachers would go into the staff room we had this big board and they could fill in the points and then it was like these two teams so it was like alex's team versus my team um, and trying to see who could win uh, health month. And that was cool too. It was a lot of fun. Some teachers got really into that. However, a lot of teachers found that, you know, it wasn't, it was too public and, and they weren't really into that competitive side of it. Uh, they felt like it was adding more stress to them than it was adding any kind of real value to their lives. So with the work that I had done during wellness day with that reflection, I wanted to try and create something that was going to build on the reflection that we did with the whole uh, faculty allow faculty to uh, get that just right level of challenge for themselves and to make it a little bit more personal um, and focus on, on on growth as well. So what I did is I created this faculty health streak challenge. So the way that it worked was that your goal was to maintain a health streak throughout uh, the month of May. And you maintain the streak by scoring at least one point each day throughout the month. Um, and the way you score points was personalized to you. So it was a self-scoring system. So imagine okay, they had the sheet and you can see the sheet in the blog post. Um but they had the sheet and there was all these squares for each day and then what you had to do is you had to write down uh what you did that day to earn a point and then you scored yourself a a 1 to 4. So you gave either 1 point, 2 points, 3 points or 4 points. And the idea here is one point was like for something that was like super easy. You didn't really have to think about it. Uh, it was just a little something that you didn't give yourself a point. Whereas a four would be something that like you really had to step outside of your comfort zone. It required a lot of planning and and it challenged you to to really try something new. Um, and the the. The faculty could kind of score themselves uh, all, uh, in this fashion throughout the week uh at the start of each week they were encouraged to write themselves a points goal for the week so how many points they want to try and score and then kind of keep track of how they're scoring now in terms of what they were actually doing to score that was all dependent on that reflection that we did during the wellness month so teachers you know what i encourage teachers to do is try to find identify that dimension of your wellness where you feel like there's the most opportunity for growth and then select challenges based on that and i offered like a couple examples uh of what those challenges could look like but really it was up to the teachers to try and uh, figure out ways that they could they could um they could create their own kind of challenges and then the way that you scored was again it was individual to you so for example like you know let's say like I chose like uh, physical wellness and and let's say another teacher chose physical wellness as well. For me, like I can get up and I can go run 5K. Like that's that's easy peasy. Like, okay, wait, that sounds super stupid the way I just said that. It's not easy peasy. Okay, there's effort that goes into it, especially hard now that I got two kids. However, all I'm saying is that I can get up and go run 5K. I don't have to train for it. I've, I've got that in me that I can go run that. But for somebody else who doesn't run, you know 5k can be super intimidating so maybe that's something that they were going to plan for at the end of the month so the way i would score 5k and the way somebody else would score 5k would be very different i might give myself a two for five for going to run a 5k because you know like it requires me having to get up before the kids get up and then going to run and whatever it may be uh, whereas somebody else, they have to do training, like maybe they have to do couch to five k for the entire month to get themselves ready for that five k at the end, whatever it may be. So they're going to score themselves a four for that. So we kind of went all over the place here in terms of the activities and and the scores. But what was nice is that we complemented all of this with a um a a channel in our in our Slack workspace. So we had a health comes first channel. So health come first being the uh, founding principal of the school and in that channel uh, that's where it was really it was like a brag board so you could go and be like hey I gave myself two points today because you know um, I did some meal prep on the weekend that's something that I really don't do very often and I want to get more into it or hey I gave myself three points today because I planned a dinner for my friends and I had everybody over and that's something that's super intimidating to me uh, cooking a lot for all kinds of people so it was a place where we could kind of celebrate each other's success and kind of showcase like hey here's how I'm earning points and you know, these sheets, they they lived at home and a lot of faculty, they printed out extras for their spouses at home and they were able to like challenge each other that way. And the response to it was just incredible. It was so great hearing how teachers were taking ownership of their wellness, taking ownership of their healthy living um, and having a lot of fun with it and, and using that month to try and gain some momentum there and gain some steam and try to maintain that streak uh, beyond the month of May. So that was our faculty health streak challenge. Uh, it was a ton of fun. I was really proud of how it all came together and just excited to see how, um, how the faculty jumped on board. So the other month long, uh, challenge that I want to talk about is uh, the one that was focused for the students. And this was our race to a million steps. So I told you before, uh, we had all these pedometers at school. So years ago I worked with, um, a company called Steps Count. I did a little social media consulting for them. And in exchange, they sent me a set of pedometers that I get to use and talk about them uh, uh, on the blog and stuff like that. Uh, so I had these these pedometers. And each year what I do, we do like a, um, a school-wide steps challenge. So the way that it worked, you know, is that I would uh, assign a schedule. So each class uh, would have two kids per day that would have a pedometer. And then those kids would step like crazy all day long. And then at the end of the day, I would collect their pedometer numbers, punch them into this like Google sheet that I put together. And then we would see um, which grade was in the lead in terms of overall steps count. So that was kind of how the pedometer challenge started. And, you know, the kids were like super into it. And some teachers were like out of this world in terms of like just allowing the kids to step during class time. So like you'd be walking in the hall, you look in class and be like Timmy in the corner, like just stepping like crazy, like during math class and stuff It was amazing. Um, but we did that for like a couple of years and then i was like okay how can we modify this and then i want to say okay let's see if we can walk across canada trying to pretend that like each step's like one meter which if you look at the kindergartens their steps are not one meter wide uh but anyways it was an easy way to calculate and then try and give a goal that way and like it was cool the first year the kids were kind of into it uh, but by the second year they were like okay like we've done this before like they weren't as as in, uh, motivated by that challenge so i really started to think about like okay how could i how could I create something here special that would um, that would get the kids pumped up and make them really, really get into this? And at the time, uh, my good friend Carl, who I want to have on this podcast, he's my SEL guru, and my brother James, they were working at a rival school up the road called the Priory School. And I reached out to them and was like, hey, how do you guys feel about uh, us running the Steps Challenge at both schools at the same time, and doing a race to a million steps. So the first school to get to a million total steps at their school wins. And James and Carl, were they were teaching together at the time, and they were super, super, super on board. So, you know, they sent me their their class list. I made the schedule for all the classes at the Priory, which is a school that was about the same size of our, as our elementary campus. Um, and then I set this all up, like, behind the scenes, the students didn't know about it. And then what we did is uh, on the first day of health month, uh, we have a morning active assembly where all the kids come into the gym and we talk about health month. We talk about the goals. We talk about what it's going to look like. And then as I'm talking and I'm saying, it's like, hey, so we're going to do the Pedometer Challenge again. And, you know, we're, this year we're going to try to get to a million steps. And the kids are like, "Yay!" Or like they're like, OK, cool, whatever, a million steps. And then as I'm talking, I have like my slideshow behind me. And you can see the video of this in the, in the podcast. The screen just like glitches and goes black. And then there's just like a green flashing like cursor. And then in green text, like it just appears on the screen. It just says like, hello, St. George's. Player two has entered the game. And then I just had that theme from 2001 Space Odyssey start playing and it just like you just slowly start seeing like our school logo like appearing and then it says like a big versus sign and then all of a sudden boom the priory school symbol uh, uh, pops in and this kids realize that we're gonna be doing a challenge versus the priory school i just remember like i gotta give a shout out to my boy josh uh, Moshpit josh and uh he was in what he was in like grade three at the time uh i just remember his face like he was standing on his feet like fist clenched or screaming at the top of his lungs because he was like so pumped that this was going to be happening (laughs) i'll never forget his face in that moment um but they were so excited to be doing this race to a million steps so i'm I made this whole, like, uh, I made this poster board that had, like, two rockets, and it's part of the Health Month Teacher Pack, and you can see it on the blog. Um, and the way it worked was the same thing, same thing. So every day I would go around, collect all the pedometers at the school, add up the total, and then I would go color in, like, this line on the poster to show, like, what our total steps counts was. And then my brother James and my friend Carl would be doing the same at the Priory, sending me the numbers, and then I would enter them so that every morning when kids would come in on the phys ed pillar that's in the main hallway when you walk into the school— They would run in and they would see what the step totals are at between St. George's versus the Priory. And they were just like super, super excited. And it couldn't have gone any better. Like it was so sweet because um, in the last week, both schools on the same day crossed a million steps. So we did overtime and we just said, okay, by the end of the week, the school with the most steps wins. Kids were going berserk. And it was so much fun. Like at recess time, I would go outside and I chalked off this big area. Uh, and I called it the 10,000 Steps Club. And the kids who had the pedometers that they could come into the chalked off area. I had like my, my Bluetooth speaker outside. I was like blasting jock jams. I had water balls in my hand. This is all like pre-pandemic stuff. None of this would fly right now. I have water balls in my hand. I'm like squirting water in their mouths as they're like stepping like crazy. And everybody's screaming, going nuts. Other kids are at recess cheering them on, trying to get them to step as much as possible. It was just a time of fun it was so much fun St. George's won okay that doesn't matter but it totally does matter St. George's won um by like a hundred thousand steps which was incredible uh It was so memorable. The kids got so into it. It it added to the school pride. Uh, Everybody was on board. You know, teachers like recess duty would be outside cheering the kids on. You'd see a kid who like some kids were getting like 50,000 steps in a day. I have no idea how they were scoring that. And they were like legit. Like they were like the classroom teachers were fun. These aren't like they're not cheating or anything. These are actual steps going on. They're just stepping maniacs. Um, And, you know, all teachers be going to find that kid, be like, you did 50,000 steps and like giving high fives and everything. It was so much fun, uh, and it lasted the whole month. And, you know, like, yeah, it was a ton of work. It was kind of annoying having to run around and get up at the pedometers at the end of the day. Um, 100% worth it. 100% worth it uh, and it was just something memorable that the kids like they won't ever forget it's something that they'll, they'll remember forever so those are the two month-long challenges uh, for health month and now what I want to do is just talk to you a little bit about week by week the different challenges uh, and activities and advocacy pieces uh, that I put together and like I said this is all in the blog and there's a blog for each week so if you'd rather read it and go through the visuals there you're welcome to but you're tuned in here so I'm assuming you want to listen to this um so uh, let's dive into physical activity week. So that first that first week's theme is physical activity. And there were a couple different things that we did for Physical Activity Week. Um, And it all started off with a morning active assembly on the Monday of Physical Activity Week. So the whole school came to meet in the gym. Again, this is pre-pandemic. Okay, this would be pretty challenging to do. But you could do it in your classrooms and have everybody Zoom in. Um, And we went in and we talked about Health Month. We talked about everything going on. And then we said that... the this this week was all about just getting sweaty it was about getting active getting moving and having fun moving and we i purposely linked all of this work uh, that we were doing for physical activity week and throughout all of health month to the adventure pyramid that i use in my teaching to talk to my students about the purpose of our program so talking to them about the fact that you know Ultimately, what I want for you is to get the most out of life, to live as many adventures as possible. In phys ed class, we we specifically focus on our physical literacy to kind of empower and fuel those adventures. But the foundation of that pyramid is health. Health is our greatest wealth. It's our ticket to ride this roller coaster of life. Um, and uh, by focusing on our health, we can just maximize our opportunities in life and keep all those doors, to all those different adventures, open to us. Um, now, one thing I want to say about physical activity week that was super sweet, and this is something that, you know, I worked with the admin on and they okayed it, um, was that throughout physical activity week, all faculty and staff were allowed to come to school in active wear. So teachers were always wearing clothes that they were ready to move in, and you really saw teachers taking advantage of that, teachers coming in and working out before school, working out after school, teachers jumping into more games during recess, Um just really taking their students out, uh, for a quick run outside, uh, during class time, just really embracing physical activity week. And I gotta say like teachers loved being able to wear active wear throughout that week, um, which was super sweet too. So I earned some bonus points among my colleagues, uh, for that one. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. And then when during the assembly, um, what we did is, so I'm going to talk to you about the MVPA tracker here in a second, but basically one of the challenges for physical activity week was to try and get 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity each day. Uh, so we talked about what that looks like, what it feels like. We used my little, uh, perceived exertion scale that I created for my smart goals, fitness unit. Um, And then we engage in a Tabata workout, uh, as a whole school, which is super fun. Just seeing everybody from kindergarten to grade six, everybody all working out all together, getting those, uh, those minutes in so that they can go and log them in their tracker right afterwards. Uh, so just a ton of fun or just a super positive way to start the week off. Um, and another thing too, that we did was, uh, each recess each morning recess during physical activity week we organize special activities in the gym so just an extra way for students to come in and be active so everything from like a jump rope club to hula hooping uh, to playing some mat ball whatever it may be Uh, just to go in and get some extra minutes in and have fun moving with kids who are in different grades and who might not be part of your normal friend circle so that was our morning active assembly and there was a couple other challenges um, in physical activity week that were a ton of fun. And one of them was uh, the family physical activity bingo cards. So what I did is I created these bingo cards that had like um, a four by four grid. So 16 total activities. And it was all these different activities that uh, families could engage in within our community uh, or, or within the city. And I this got sent home. Uh, so I printed them out. Each kid got one. and They got to bring it home. And the idea here was to encourage families to go out and be active in a variety of activities and in multiple environments. Um, so, I want I use this opportunity to promote again physical literacy, which is the purpose of our physical education program. Um, and it was I use that again as an opportunity to educate families on physical literacy and. The, the role of physical literacy in their, their children's lives and how we're trying to support their physical literacy through both obviously the health month initiative but more intentionally through our, our physical education programs. Um, so the, the bingo sheets were a ton of fun. Uh, I asked families you know if you're going out and you're being active and you're crossing things off your bingo sheet snap some pictures of it and send it to me because we have this awesome mural at the school which is our physical literacy mural which is just this this huge, huge mural where there's all kinds of photos of kids being active in all kinds of way. And at, at that point, there was a lot of kids who had already, gra- like the mural was getting a little bit older. There were kids who had graduated from the school. Uh, so I took down a bunch of the older photos and I said, like, listen, we're rebooting this. Like, I want to fill this thing back up before the end of health month. So families were just going out and doing all kinds of crazy things together, sending me photos. It was just, again, creating those partnerships, those relationships with the parents, relationships with the families, um, getting them involved in this, just some really really powerful empowering um and and just a really positive experience and it was so cool too like i'd get families who were so excited to show me their bingo sheets be like look at we crossed off like, like we got like bingo like eight times on the sheet or whatever it is uh and it was cool finding out where they're going on being active and then you know, when I'd be talking to families, like, "Yeah, we really want to go paddling, but we don't know where." It's like, "Hey, this family told me that they went to like H two O Adventures on the canal, and they went paddling there. So why don't you go check that out?" I was like, "Oh, amazing! We'll do that this weekend." So again, it's just a way of uh, like activating the family, the family community, and getting uh, people out and moving together and having a ton of fun. So that was one of the challenges. And the other challenge I did was a daily MVPA tracker. So, uh, like I said, during that active assembly. Um, we talked about what moderate to vigorous physical activity is, why it's important, what it looks like, what it feels like. Uh, and then what I did is I created a sheet, which was a MVPA tracker. So on the sheet, there was um, there was a box for each day of the week, Monday through Sunday. And then within that box, there were six little uh, 10 minute blocks. And every time students would engage in 10 minutes of physical activity or moderate to vigorous physical activity, they could color in or scratch out one of those boxes. Uh, So, you know, if they're going outside to recess and they're playing tag super intensely for 30 minutes, they could come in from recess and scratch out three boxes. And on top of that, what I did on the sheet is I left some spaces. Um for students to reflect on ways that they could be active at school and ways that they could be active at home. So uh, inviting them to engage in a little bit of reflection in terms of like the different opportunities that they have access to uh, in order to be able to get those minutes and to be active, more active throughout their day. And um, at the end of the week, I also gave them like a little reflection on like, what was the highlight of your week? What did you have the most fun uh, doing this week in terms of your physical activity? And what's something that you'd look forward to trying out next week? Uh, So it was a ton of fun. And, you know, the support from the parents and from teachers was, was critical for this activity because a lot of kids did keep their trackers at school. Um, so they kept them in their desk or wherever it may be or in their cubby. Uh, but then a lot, of par- a lot of kids kept them at home. So it was really important for the teachers. You know, I had teachers who were always reminding the kids when they came in from recess, hey, if you're active today, you get to co- you get to color in some of your blocks or... Seeing that the parents at home were doing this with their families, uh, sitting down like during supper time, talking about their, their activity throughout the day, and then sending me updates along the way, which was a ton of fun. And like I said, uh, to help them, again, those those we did those recess activities um, where we did, like like I said before, jump rope, we did just dance, workouts, spike ball, hoo hoop, mat ball, whatever it may be, uh, just some extra activities to get kids moving in different ways and having fun and, and filling in their MVPA trackers. So that was everything that kind of went into uh, Physical Activity Week, and those those more. Check out the blog post for like some extra details there. Um, but let's move on to Week Two, which was uh, the focus of Week Two was mental health. So there were a couple different goals here for Mental Health Week, and a lot of different, like a bigger variety of, of challenges and activities. Um, so the first thing that I did for for Mental Health Week is I created a uh, little daily um, gratitude journals. So it was really small. They were printed out on um, on on a large piece of paper that we folded up. Uh, so it was like this like little origami way of folding paper to make a booklet out of it. It was the same thing I used when I did the the booklets for the teachers during the Wellness Day. And then each day of the week there was a little prompt. So just a really really short little prompt. Uh, just to help students, you know, think about the things they're grateful for and, uh, and, and practice, uh, expressing that gratitude and, and taking a, a tally of all the things that they they should be grateful or that they can be grateful for in their life. Um, so we printed all these booklets, we folded them up. Um, we folded up the K to two ones actually. Then I sent a video for three to six on how to fold it because after folding all the booklets for K to two, my fingers were sore. Uh. And the journaling, the actual journaling itself could take place anytime throughout the day. And that was really important because what I realized when running Health Month over the years was that if I was like super rigid in like, no, you have to do this at this time, we're doing this as a whole school or whatever it may be, uh, the buy-in from the teachers was really low. And there's, there's a lot more pushback. But by recognizing the fact that like you know like teachers have their day's plan um, they all have different flows to their how their day is run in their classrooms so giving them some freedom there some some flexibility in terms of how they can select okay, this is when we're gonna be doing our gratitude journaling uh, it just increased uh, that buy-in um, and got more teachers involved in making sure that teachers were making it an actual part of the day it wasn't perfect all the time you know sometimes people forgot things they had a crazy day and they just forgot it but for the most part um teachers were really involved. And the other thing too I really encouraged uh, teachers and men staff everybody was to engage in the practice themselves. And there's a couple of different reasons. First of all, Health Month is supposed to be for the whole school community. It's not just supposed to be for the students. I want everybody to be able to to benefit from this activity but the other thing is I want teachers to be able to model the behavior for the students. So just, you know, if you see your teacher taking this activity seriously, it's like, okay, well, this is something that I might want to take seriously too. Um, so that was really nice just seeing teachers getting on board. And I actually posted my gratitude journal on the, uh, the glass window in my door in of my office so that the students could go by and they could see, Hey, these are things Joey's grateful for. Now, another thing we did during mental health uh, week was we did morning yoga sessions. And this was super cool. And just a heads up, this year when I was running this, uh, Alex was on mat leave and I was teaching with uh, my teaching partner, Emmanuel, who's an incredible. And she actually took the lead on this. And yoga, she's a certified yoga instructor. So it was really fun for her to be able to, to roll with this. So the way that it worked is that ideally what we want is we want the whole school to go in every day. And it was the same thing during physical activity week. You know, when I was at Royal Charles, we didn't just do like a Monday morning activity uh, assembly. We did it every day of the week throughout physical activity week. But there was a lot of pushback from the teachers. You know, that's a lot to ask for. Like you're taking out a big chunk of time because even if they're short assemblies, by the time you get everybody to the gym, by the time you get started, all that, it takes out a chunk of your day and teachers need that time. You got to be able to recognize that and work along with them. So it's the same thing with the yoga sessions. We wanted everybody to be able to experience this, but it was going to be too much to try and get everybody in the gym at the same time. So, uh, Emmanuel decided to go with a cycle approach. So K to two, three, four, five, six. Um, And each cycle got to experience these morning yoga sessions once throughout mental health week. And what was really sweet was that we uh, were able to tap into our team's own capacity. So like I said, Emmanuel was a, a certified yoga instructor. Um, and our administrative assistant, Angie, shout out to Angie, I miss you so much, Angie. Uh, she was also a certified yoga instructor, so she was able to lead sessions too. And for the kids, that was really cool, right? It'd be like, I had no idea. Angie was like like a yoga teacher. Um, so she was able to lead some sessions. And we also had some parents who want to get involved. So we had two parents who owned yoga studios, uh, which was super cool. And they want to um, be a part of this, so... Uh, they didn't teach the kids, but they did send some of their instructors to the school for a, uh, before school yoga session for teachers. So teachers could benefit from it. And I'm, I'm not mistaken if I'm remembering right. Um, I think it was that year. Uh, they gave some passes out to teachers. So teachers could go out to the studios and get, uh, try out some yoga for free, which is super, super cool. Um, now, when the students were engaging in those yoga sessions, there was a conversation prior to it, just trying to link that kind of physical activity to mental health and, and mindfulness. Um, so again, we're always trying to bring it back to the goals for each week that we had, uh, making sure that the activities are meaningful and that they're, they're purposeful, right? That they're aligned to uh, specific targets. Um, and the kids really liked it. It was really cool. And like I think the cycle approach was great because... It was so much better doing yoga in smaller groups than in big, like large groups, which kind of wouldn't have been intimidating. Um, so the kids really, really got into it. And it was just like a more zen kind of calming experience at the start of the day. And it was just a great way for those kids to start their day. So the next activity we did was a random acts of kindness board. So a couple years ago, I did something. It was actually my wife that gave me this idea, which was called the shout out cards initiative. And a shout out card was I made these cards. And it was basically if you want to give somebody at school a shout out. So you saw somebody doing something cool for somebody else. You could go fill out this shout out card without them knowing. You could give it to me. And then during our school assemblies, um, we would take some time to read some of the shout out cards in front of everybody and call those people who got the shout outs, uh, call them up in front so they could be celebrated by the school. So for mental health week, we want to do a different kind of version of the shout out cards. We want to do something called the random acts of kindness cards. And they work the same way. Uh, the idea was that if you saw somebody uh, performing a random act of kindness, you could go fill it in, acknowledge it. And then what I did is I made this big board. So there was a board that was kind of up for grabs. Um, that was close by like the library in the science classroom, which is like a high traffic area because all the grades would go to the library in the science classroom uh, for their classes. And I put this poster up just talking about the random acts of kindness. And then every time I would receive a random acts of kindness card, you know, I'd go put it up on the board. So while the kids were like in the hall, cho- uh, checking out like what was going on in the, uh, between science and, and the library, there's also a water fountain there. So was a lot of water cooler talk going on. Um, you know, they could look at the board and just see all these amazing things are happening at our school, uh, which is super positive. It was really, really nice uh, to see all these things. Now, just one thing I would change about this is the way I did it is I put like a big pile of random X of kindness cards um, on the phys ed pillar and kids can kind of go take them whenever they wanted and drop them off. I would not use that approach again because I remember like on day one, like one girl came in and she's like, hey, I just filled out 25 and they were like all for like her best friend. Um, so <laughs> I'm not saying like maybe her best friend's like the most amazing person in the world and just nonstop kindness 24 seven. Um, but, uh, I would, if I were to do this again, I would probably give each kid at the school, uh, two uh, random acts of kindness card. So they could be really, really like intentional about like, okay, this is something that I really want to acknowledge. Um, instead of being like. She blinked at me today and it made me feel special. So I'm not, try- I'm not trying to downplay that emotion. That's a valid emotion, you know, like your BFFs. I get it. I get it. But it's just a lot of paper. <laughs> so I would definitely limit it that way. Uh, and another really cool thing that came out of this was uh, there was a teacher at the time who had a whiteboard replaced in her classroom. And she had this old massive whiteboard. And it was scratched up, okay? It was, like, old, you know, like, the whiteboards that like, like you see, like, the old inks on it and everything. Uh, but the school's going to get rid of it. Uh, so emmanuel actually had the idea like why don't we use this as like an gratitude board outside so what we did is uh, we put it outside we put a bag with some uh dry erase markers on it and then we told the kids that when they're outside recess if they had something they want to share that they were grateful for they could go or if they wanted to say something a random kindness that they saw they could write it down on the board and the result was this like huge massive whiteboard was just Packed with all these positive messages um, from our student body that they just put throughout the week and it was just like this beautiful thing to see it was such a great way to celebrate all the cool stuff that happens at our school uh, and getting to see how the kids um uh, how they just look out for each other and how they they want to share that kind of joy with their classmates so the the last uh, activity during a mental health week was actually a bit of a surprise um and I'll talk to you about it what it was in just a second but just know it, it was based on this student-led kindness project that took place earlier in the year so basically what happened is we had two boys in grade six who upon themselves decided that every day at the start of the day you know like our students arrive to the school they hang out in the amphitheater outside and then once it's eight o'clock all the school comes into the school at the same time um and these two boys decided that they wanted to rush to the front and hold the door open for everyone and just see how many thank yous they got and they were like flabbergasted at the fact that like they weren't getting thank yous from everyone. So many people were just walking by, uh, and not saying thank you. And by the way, that's like one of my biggest pet peeves. I held the door open for a lady the other day. I was out at a coffee shop with my son and I was like, hey, Ollie, let's hold the door open for this lady. She's coming out with coffees and just walked right by me. Come on, lady. I just held the door open for you. People. Anywho, uh, that was a bit of a tangent. Uh, so the boys were doing this and they said, you know, we think this is a problem we want to try and we want to try and change this because people should be saying thank you to other people so they went to uh our uh, our principal the uh, the assistant head and they talked to him about it and he said well why don't you try and see if you can connect with joey and see if you could do something during health month so the boys came in and they actually met with emmanuel at this time and um they started talking and bouncing around some ideas of like what's something special that we could do for a school that kind of like create more like positive vibes here at the school and what they came up with was they wanted to run a no homework day. Now, you're going to think, okay, these guys pull the fast one on you here. They just want to get out of doing homework for a day. Uh, but their intention was really, really sweet. They said that why don't we do a day where for the, whole sc- the, the entire school, no homework for anyone. But you have to take that time that you would use doing homework to spend quality time with the people you love. Um, and then they came up with like a list of activities uh, and everything that families could do, so like playing board games, going out for a walk, whatever, watching a movie, whatever it may be, um, and just to be able to use that almost like as a, like a family night. And I just thought that was so cool. So we decided, you know what, this would fit in well with our targets for Mental Health Week uh, and just talking about the importance, like the different dimensions of wellness, and talking about the importance of relationships. Um, and we rolled with it. And first of all, those two kids were like heroes to the entire school. I was like, you're the guys that got us out of homework for a day. Um, So everybody loved them for it. Uh, But it was really nice hearing, uh, getting to see how families were, like, sharing their stories. Like, this is what we did for No Homework Day. And then I would relay that information to the boys. And then being able to see that, you know, they led real change at the school. They had a positive impact in their graduating year. So at the end of the year, we have, like, athletics awards uh, where we do, like, Different little awards for all of our athletics teams throughout the year. And one of the awards that we give at that time is our Community Champions Award. And th- that goes out to people who, students who try to make the school a little bit better in terms of be it through sport or physical activity or health or wellness or whatever it may be. So those two guys, uh, they got the Community Champions Award um, for that year. And it was just a fun way to be able to celebrate them and be able to recognize the efforts and the, the change and the impact that they brought to our school. So that was no homework day. So uh, that wraps up Mental Health Week. And we can dive into week three right now, which is uh, nutrition. So nutrition was the theme for week three. And what was really cool is like, so the, the health month I'm talking to you about took place in 2019. And in January 2019, Canada came out with a new version of the Canada Food Guide. And I'm a big fan of it. I really liked it. It was like, I know some people were saying it was controversial and whatever. I can't remember why. Um, but I thought it was really well put together. And what I really, really liked about it was it wasn't just talking about like portion sizes or stuff like that. It talked about healthy eating habits. Um, so different, different ways that you can, you can make healthy eating a stronger part of your family's traditions. So, uh, the first thing we did during nutrition week was we sent an, uh, out an email newsletter blast, uh, just talking about the Canadian food guide and talking about some of these habits and presenting them as challenges to families. So there was different, um, different habits that we challenged them to do. So one of them was like, uh, Engage in mindful eating so trying to be really aware of like where you're eating what you're eating who you're eating with why you're eating just trying to slow down a little bit and not just trying to rush through these meals in this like go 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 kind of world that we live in Uh, but rather make it like as a like a a mindful experience that you can really sit down look forward to and enjoy each and every day. Uh, another habit was cooking together and often so you know we shared this with families and we said we want to challenge you to try and cook at least three meals together as a family now the thing is though is that we recognize that at our school at least um, for some families you know cooking is part of their family tradition so this was like an easy one for them to do so we 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 challenge them to come up with all kinds of like creative like and cool recipes but for other families cooking is not part of their family traditions we had a lot of families that just like They weren't a family of cooks, and they they didn't really see food that way. Uh, So what's cool with the Canadian Food Guide um, is that they offer a ton of, like, really easy-to-follow, simple recipes. And the idea is that we wanted them to try and use this week as an opportunity to just try and build their capacity as a family in terms of, like, how they cook together and getting comfortable with different ingredients and different meals and trying to see if they can make that part of their family tradition. You know, it might stick, it might not stick, but either way, it's a cool way to have fun together as a family and, and, and just find that kind of like that special time that you can spend together. I've, for me, like cooking's always been a big part of my family. Like I come from a family of like amazing cooks. Um, and I know that like some of my happiest moments with my wife is cooking, having a beer, listening to some good music and dancing in the kitchen together. And I love that. Like, you know, my son, Ollie, like helps me cook all the time. He's got his little dinosaur apron. We make French toast together. We make pizza dough together. We do all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's just a, a great part of our family. And the last habit was to try and plan a social meal. So social eating being one of those habits where like, it's an opportunity for you to connect and strengthen relationships with others. So for the people who, um, are used to cooking we challenge them to try you know try and have this big like family gathering where you could cook for a lot of people and get the kids involved in preparing different parts of the meal and stuff like that and for other families it could just be like try and get together for brunch or try and get together for supper at a restaurant uh you're not comfortable cooking that's fine but you can still enjoy eating with other people and having that kind of social experience um so that was kind of how we made use of the Canadian food guide in, in one way, in terms of like trying to educate the, the parent community on the different uh, healthy eating habits. Uh, and we also, you know, like when I, when we received all the resources for uh, those posters, we put those posters up around the school and shared them with the family. Now for the next uh, part of nutrition week, you have to understand a little bit about how our school works. So like I said before, I've worked at a private school and, um, And each day there was a lunch service at school. So basically what happened is my gymnasium, much to my demise, would become the cafeteria at lunch. So 15 minutes fifteen minutes before the end of of P2, our our second period, uh, I'd have to stop class and then we'd have to put everything away. And then my students that are in the gym with me would have to help me set up the tables and chairs. So we convert everything into a cafeteria. And then we had an in-school kitchen team. They would come in, set up all the tables for the hot meal buffet. And then there was a salad bar every day. Now, it was one of the biggest perks of working at St. George's with the fact that there was like lunch every day. And like for teachers, I think we paid like five bucks for a meal and whatnot. It was amazing. So I never had to pack a lunch or whatnot. And for the kids it was incredible. They had all these amazing foods that they got access to every day. And the food was really good. Uh, that said, though, we had a really big problem in regards of a lot of kids would like go through this amazing buffet and come out of it with like a plate that had like a carrot and a slice of bread on it. And a lot of parents would talk about the fact that it's like, I don't think my kid's eating at lunch. And, you know, as a teacher, we can't force a kid to eat. Like if the kid doesn't want to take more on the plate, we can't really force them. We can encourage them. We can try and get them to think differently about how they're prepping their plates, but we can't force them. So what I want to do is I want to try and use the Canadian food guide as as a prompt to try to get kids to think about how they were putting together these balanced meals and how they were they were getting the most out of their their, their lunch. Uh, So what I did is I created a set of table cards and these cards lived at each cafeteria table and then also on the buffet tables. And on one side of the card was the graphic from the Canada Food Guide, which kind of showed you uh, the main guidelines that they give. So make sure you're eating a variety of healthy foods each day, have plenty of fruits and vegetables, eat protein foods and choose whole grain foods when possible. Um, So that was all on one side and kind of showed you the portion sizes in terms of how you should be balancing your plate. But then on the back part of the card was the more important part. So what I realized is that for a lot of kids, they they see these food groups and it's like, okay, this is cool, but I don't know which foods actually fall into these groups. Um, So what I did is the week before nutrition week, I sat down with the kitchen team and we went over the menu for the next week, ingredient by ingredient for each day of the week. And I made this list and then as Chef Michael was telling me about uh, the different foods, I was organizing them into these different categories. And on the back side of the card, what I did is I presented all the foods that the kids were going to be able to find in the buffet throughout the week divided into these different categories. So the idea was that if a kid walked away and they looked at their plate and they looked at the cards like, hmm, my portions don't seem right. I need more like whole grains or whatever. They could look at the card and know exactly which food they should have. They, they would go look for um, at the buffet. And we had teachers on duty at lunch. So the teachers could be going around checking the plates. And be like, hey, just like a little prompt. How's your plate compared to like the table card? And what foods could you use to like complement your plate and make a more balanced plate? So it's just this really cool tool Um to try and get kids to think differently about how they're preparing their, their, their plates and thinking, thinking about how they are, what kind of foods they're putting into their body. Now, when I presented all this to the parents in the week before nutrition week, um, you know, we had a mom who is a licensed nutritionist and she got in touch and was like, I would love to be a part of this. Uh, I'd love to come in and talk to the kids about uh, processed foods versus whole foods. And one thing i know about healthy school communities is that like partnerships are like a key component of a healthy school community and within that category within that partnerships category uh partnerships with families and parents is like like the the big the biggest hitter there uh anytime you can get parents involved uh you're winning uh Parents have so much pull, they have so much sway, and they have, they're have they able to to really mobilize the different talents and, and the community uh, within the school. So I was, like, all over this. I was, like, if you want to do this, absolutely. Uh, so what she did, she did two sessions throughout the week, one for the junior kids, one for the senior kids. And it was super sweet. First of all, it was no real extra work on my ha- behalf. I had to, like, find a classroom for her and, like, get some tables ready. Um, as she brought in all the materials. She brought in foods for the kids, everything. And then they talked about the differences between whole foods, processed foods, why you should be wary of processed foods, why you should always try and choose whole foods. And then they prepped a couple different meals together so the kids got to leave. Like I think one day they left with like like smoothies or something that they put together during that session. It was a big hit. The kids really liked it. And it was so fun to be able to have that parent involved. Now, the reason why I wanted to share this with you is that, first of all, it's cool. But that same parent, after health month, came to see me to tell me about how valuable she thought Health Month was, how empowering she thought it was for the kids, and she took it upon herself to start a parent committee to look at health and wellness at the elementary campus. And that is, when I talk about Health Month and I talk about it, uh, how it served as a catalyst for developing a healthy school community at St. George's School, that is one of the examples of how that came to be, where we, we brought the community together, we strengthened those partnerships, those, those relationships, and we got everybody on the same page beh- behind this shared vision and tried to bring real, lasting, sustainable change to the school. Um, so that was really, really cool to kind of see the, like, the, the seeds of that taking place. So uh, the other part of Nutrition Week, so in the Canada Food Guide, they say always make your water your choice when possible, like make water your your choice drink. Uh, So we want to help the kids stay hydrated throughout the week. So first of all, um, the students throughout uh, uh, Nutrition Week and beyond, because this one being a policy change uh, because of the success of Nutrition Week, uh, kids were invited to bring their water bottles to school and bring them into the classroom. Now, just so you know why, usually they're not allowed to do that, like we're a one-for-one school, so... Grades three and up, all have MacBooks. Uh, grades K to two, or sorry, one and two, have iPads. Um, and when you put kids with like tech and water balls together, bad things can happen. Uh, but working with the, the the teachers, we came up with different uh, procedures where the students could come in. You know, there was a designated place where they could leave their water ball. They could go access it whenever they wanted. Uh, so that became part of, of of the school reality. And and again, like kids from that point on, were allowed to bring their water balls to school. Now, one thing I want to do too is I want to actually tell students or teach students about why it's important to stay hydrated. So what I did is I um I made this I had this visual that I created for a previous health month, which just talked about like the benefits of staying uh, hydrated. And I posted those above every water fountain at school. So as kids are going, you know, again they're engaging their little water cooler chat. Um, they can see this poster and they can learn a little bit more about like okay, this is why uh, I should be drinking water. Now that's said. The crown jewel of health month, what health month will forever be known for, uh, much to my chagrin here, were the pee charts that I put above the urinals and the toilets in the bathrooms. So I wanted to teach kids that you can use the color of your pee to determine if you're drinking enough water. Uh, So I made these gross little charts that had six shades of pee on them. And for each shade, so it went from, like, syrup to, like, like clear. Uh, it kind of talked to you about how hydrated you are and told you what you should be doing. So, for example, you know, like, if you were, like, um, if you were very dehydrated and you're... I forget what the color was. It was, like, uh, honey. If your pee looked like honey, you're very dehydrated. And that meant that you need to be drinking more water. Um, so the kids <laughs> would go in uh, and they could as they're taking a leak at the urinal, <laughs> whatever it may be, uh, or they're peeing in the bathroom stall. Uh, they have this little pee chart and then they could check the color of the pee and then decide, Hey, I need to drink more water or Hey, I'm on, I'm on the right track right now. It was great. It was great. It was great. Except for the fact that like my office was right beside the boy's bathroom and the amount of times I got called into the bathroom, uh, to see somebody's pee and be like, is this honey or is this whatever? I was like, like I said, I'm just so grateful that I never did the what's your poo telling you charts because I think that would have been a horrible situation. Um, but the P charts were great. And uh, to be honest, I left them up for the rest of the year. Uh, and everybody got a got a kick out of them. It was great when parents would come in and uh, for like a concert or something and they'd see these P charts and they'd be giggling as they walk out of the bathroom. Or if we had other students come into the school for like a science uh, fair or whatever it may be. Um, it just created a little bit of buzz. Uh, it's amazing what a little P can do. <laughs> so that was uh that wraps up nutrition week um then the last theme was sleep and in 2019 i had just read uh matt walker's book why we sleep uh which is an incredible book my wife hated when i read that book because literally every paragraph i like shut the book and be babe can you believe and then like i tell her some kind of fact that i just learned in the book incredible book it completely changed the way that i thought about sleep i used to have inc- such 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 bad sleep habits you know like i'd be like working at coffee shops till like eleven thirty, uh, like drinking all kinds of espresso and whatnot then going home and sleeping super little like just bad habits probably have played a role in where i'm at with my health these days um but anyways uh so what i want to do is i want to uh put together a newsletter that kind of taught parents about sleep hygiene which was something that i learned about by reading matt walker's book Uh, So I put together this newsletter. I talked to him about the role of sleep hygiene. And then I I shared with him the the challenges I'll talk about in a second. Included a couple links to some of Matt Walker's um, uh, interviews on different podcasts. Uh, And the response to this was like incredible. So many parents were back just incredibly grateful. Because they recognized that sleep was something that was lacking in their household. They weren't sure how to approach it with their kids. They didn't have that common language, language. And this kind of like put them, empowered them to kind of bring that change to their their family routines um and to complement all of this too what i did is i created a set of posters that talked about the benefits of sleep and reminded students how much sleep they should be trying to get each night and i posted these posters everywhere okay there was like four total posters but i think i made like four sets of them and they were like everywhere in the school throughout sleep week so kids were always constantly were being reminded of this is why sleep's important this is why you should be making a part of of your your daily habits um so that's was talking about the benefits of sleep. And then what I did to try and help students develop their, their, their sleep habits, um, uh, and improve their sleep hygiene is I created something called the super sleep cheat sheets, which is a mouthful. It's very hard to say it very fast. And I won't try and say it again because I nailed it on that first attempt. Um, but basically what these sheets were was, uh, on the sheet, I highlighted different habits that lead to proper sleep hygiene. So everything from like exercising to limiting your screen time before bed, uh, creating yourself a, a, a regular schedule, making sure your bedroom's nice and cozy and clean and cool, uh, finding a routine that works for you. So like, how do how do you how do you build your bedtime routine up? And avoiding caffeine. And a lot of kids were like, well, "I don't drink coffee." It's like, no. But if you're drinking pop before bed, that can affect your sleep too. So then also on the sheet was a little uh, reflection guide where it was really trying to make a plan for sleep. So trying to talk about, okay, so um, what time do you want to wake up at in the morning? And based on the time, what time should you be going to bed? What is something that you could be doing instead of being on a screen before bedtime? Let's create a three-part bedtime routine. So let's talk about like what that routine can look like. And what are some different ways that you can be active at school, at home, throughout the day in order to improve your sleep? So this was on, on the, the cheat sheet, and I also put like a little like emoji rating system for each day, which was basically like a little emoji face without the smile. And then each day when kids woke up, they were invited to reflect on the quality of their sleep, either doing a frowny face if they had a bad sleep, a smiley face if they had a great sleep, or just like straight line face um, if their sleep was so-so. Now, this was ton of fun. Like I said, the feedback from parents was amazing. Uh, I was super grateful for that, and it was all complemented by discussions that we had in phys ed class as well uh but speaking of parents their collaboration here was essential right like i can't i'm not like like i'm not gonna be like hiding in the bushes being like hey it's bedtime like, that'd be super weird um so i needed to have parents on board with this in order to make this a success and i think the fact that like i really touched on a nerve with sleep for like a lot of parents are like Ooh, this is something that we know we're struggling with and that we want to make uh, do better um got a lot of parents on board and, and just gained a ton of support for the initiative, which was really fun. Uh, and, and brought some important discussions to light, you know, like a lot of people just, again, never really thought about sleep. when you talk about kids, like what does it mean to be healthy? They say like drink water or move, uh, but they don't always talk about sleep. Uh, the next challenge for sleep week is we used to have this thing at my school called drop everything and read. So basically when the kids would come in from lunch recess, uh, for the first 15 minutes of that period, it was just like silent reading time. And teachers love this. They loved it. It was like, like a big part of our school. And when they change, I think what happens when they change a school schedule around, uh, they moved away from it and it kind of got lost in the mix. Um, so what I want to do is I wanted to try and bring this back because I knew that there was a lot of interest from teachers, but also try and tie it into uh, sleep and, or at least rest. So what we did is we kept the same acronym. So dear, and we just turned it to drop everything and rest. And the idea was that, um, teachers were invited to take 15 minutes out of their day to give students an opportunity to rest. And same thing as, as, uh, as with the gratitude journals, the teachers got to decide when this was best for them. Um, based on their school day and again that is so you have to listen when you're trying to run things like this if you don't want the pushback, you have to work alongside teachers it's going to mean compromise in some areas but it's worth it it's worth it because once you get that early buy-in and they can see the power of things. Then you can really start pushing the envelope a little bit more of what you, what you're trying to get out of your health month. Uh, but the kids could come in, and then for 15 minutes they they got to rest. And what I did is I create a little poster that gave them suggestions. So you know you could take a 15 minute cat nap, you could read a book, you could meditate, uh, or you could just let yourself feel bored. And we talked about that in phys ed and and it was on it talks about on the poster too where. You know, life these days isn't set up to allow us to feel bored. The second we feel bored, we're grabbing a gadget or something and we're like overwhelming our mind with all kinds of information. And it's really important to let yourself be bored because daydreaming, being bored, it it helps your mind relax. It helps it rest. It helps boost creativity and that can lead to all kinds of all kinds of advantages for you. Um, So those are the options, and I will say that some classrooms did choose to uh, go with the meditation route. They didn't do the full 15 minutes. I think 15 minutes is like a pretty solid meditation session. I think that's a lot to ask for kids. Like, I meditate every day, but I do it for 10 minutes, and I feel like that's just the right amount for me. Um, But for some, they were just doing it for two minutes. And I told teachers about the um, uh, Calm.com platform, so the Calm Meditation, which if you're an educator, you can sign up for free and then you have access to all these awesome guided meditations that you can run with your students. So uh, a lot of teachers decided to roll with that, which was super cool. And they just made that part of their day. Some teachers did that med- meditation on top of their dear time. Uh, it really depended from class to class. It was a different experience, but everybody was making it their own. And uh, that was it for sleep week. And with that, that's that's everything that got packed into health month. And I know that I talk super fast and I know that I went over a lot here and I know that sometimes it can be a little hard to visualize the things I'm talking about. So I really encourage you to go check out the uh, the blog post series on the blog. Uh, all five posts are, are published now so you can check through them and I just sent them out in the newsletter recently. Um, but I will say that Health Month will forever be part of my legacy at St. George's. Uh, I think it's something that like brought a ton of value to the school. And that was really exciting. It was really exciting to see how, you know, you'd be in different meetings and Health Month would come up, like outside of like the month of May. Uh people start planning things. Maybe we could be doing this, maybe we could be feeling this and maybe we could be expanding Health Month. Um, because they saw the value of it. And for me as a person leading it, you know, like it 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 boosted the, the visibility of the kind of work that I do with the students. It allowed me to create stronger relationships with my colleagues. It allowed me to connect with a lot of families that I never connected with. And it allowed us as a school to rethink how we want to approach different things and to truly live by that first principle of health must come first. Um, and I think that's the power of health month. And the fact that like, again, like I know, like I, I ran it for seven years at St. George's three years at Royal Charles. Um, but the fact that it led to so many uh, discussions about how the school could evolve based off of this and how we could be making this a bigger part of our school's DNA and how we could be learning more about what a healthy school community is and how we could be working more towards that. You know, like the in the year following health month, my school sent me... Um, or the last Health month, they sent me to PHE Canada's uh, national forum on healthy school communities so that I could learn more about the healthy school community framework. And I actually talked about HuffMont there and presented it to other teachers. So I think it's, it's a really great opportunity here to bring your school communities together, to boost the visibility of your program, to establish yourself as a linchpin within your school, and to just create stronger bonds with your students, with your admin, with your faculty, and with the, the, the parents. So, uh, Everything that I created for health month, all the different resources, the activities, the the posters, everything, even like the emails that I sent out to families. Those are all part of the health month teacher pack, um, which is available uh, on the site. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it's on sale for, for this week. So I said, what day are we today? I can't remember Uh, or march 30th so it'll be on sale for the rest of the week and whatnot if you want to pick that up Uh, and i think that between those resources between uh, that and the blog post series i put together for you i'm hoping that you feel that you have enough there to try and roll with this and i really encourage you to bring it to your admin and talk about it because i just feel like it's something that this might be the right moment for it this might be an opportunity and especially because of the hit that we have taken as physical educators, especially because of how disconnected our, our school communities feel right now, I think this could serve as a solution to a lot of those pro, uh, problems and just kind of remind people of the value and the importance of the work that you do at the school and, and how um, we can all be working together to transform our schools and just make them healthier places for our students, our faculty, our staff, our admin, our parents, our alum, everybody, a whole school community. So, That's it for today's podcast. Uh, Once again, my name is Joey Fight from thephysicaleducator.com. I hope that you enjoyed this uh, and I hope that you are staying well and healthy. Uh, As always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your support over the years and for always pushing me to try and create better resources for you. Um, I'm really looking forward to some of the stuff that I've got on the way for you right now. Uh, But right now, if I'm being, I have to go get my kid at daycare and I could definitely use another coffee. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back soon. Take care.